in recent weeks, it seems to me that I've been speaking a lot about love. Three weeks ago, was, uh, um, no, two weeks ago, it was about uh, Jesus asking Peter, do you love me, Peter? Last week, I spoke about what it, was, what it would be like to love like Jesus. This week, I want to speak about what happens when we love Jesus. What happens? When Jesus began, began to talk to his disciples about going away, they began to worry. Over the years, they had been with Jesus, they had become dependent on his presence to help them know what to do and how to live. I guess they realised how much they still needed to learn. So the thought of Jesus leaving them was pretty disturbing. So Jesus set out to reassure them, do not let your hearts be troubled. But having said that, he then goes on to deal with their concerns about the loss of his daily presence with them. He says... I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, or as some translations say, helper, to be with you forever. Their hearts do not need to be troubled at the thought of Jesus is about to leave them because his presence will be with them and is to be replaced by something greater. The coming of the Spirit will empower them in a way that Jesus' physical presence with them could never do. But I want you to notice the conditions for receiving the Spirit. How worthy do you need to be to receive God's Holy Spirit? What do you have to do? Do you have to pray three hours every morning before you get up? Do you need to study your Bible until you know it backwards? Do you even have to be a good person? No. Have a look at what it says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Now, don't get confused here. It is very easy to misunderstand this. And the only if here is, if you love me. Not if you keep my commandments. That's, the, that's a natural result of loving Jesus, not a prerequisite. No, it is only if you love me. You see, the picture is of a child with its parents. Now, I've seen uh, quite a few parents relate to their children. In fact, Joe did a fantastic job bringing up our children. <laughs> no, I did a good job. Our kids turned out all right despite my parenting. That's all I tell people. <clears throat> but parents go out of their way to keep care for their children. They feed them because they love them. Their love is unconditional. And that love is returned by their child. 
It is interesting how the love of parents for a child comes about. It's one of the few loves where the object of the object of love has nothing to offer apart from the love they give back. And there's no particular merit in a child loving its parents, is there? It's just something that comes naturally. Well, that's the picture that Jesus is using here. He says, if you love me, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift of a generous and loving Father given without conditions, independent of merit. But it isn't just a gift. In fact, the Holy Spirit is a source of a whole new relationship with God. Jesus says, those who love me will keep my word and my Father will love them and I will come to them and make our home with them. Can you see how there is this interweaving relationship? Jesus is in the Father, the Father is in Jesus. We are in Jesus, Jesus is in us. We love Jesus, so the Father loves us and Jesus loves us. It's, it's like one of those um, uh, Celtic knots, you know, the, the things you see around, they're, they're amazing drawings, um, where everything is interwoven so that what you see is the whole rather than the individual parts. And it's like that because with the coming of the Holy Spirit to dwell with us, we are caught up in this mystery of the Godhead. This is one of those things that no one can really explain. How God can be Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Three persons in one God. Yet that's the mystery into which we are drawn as God's Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. Uh, notice by the way um, why it is that Jesus says he'll reveal himself to the disciples in this way. It's because they love him. There it is again. And the result of them loving him is that they listen to him. They keep his word. There is a moral element to this, you see, but not a prerequisite. Rather, as a result of the love we have for Jesus. A loving child does what their parent asks, not to ingratiate themselves with their parents, but out of love for them, because they honour and respect them. And as a result of the love we have for Jesus, the Father is able to come and dwell within us. On the other hand, those who don't love Jesus won't keep his word. And the implication is that the Father won't come and dwell with them. That is why, this is what the, the whole thy kingdom come, the ten days of prayer is all about. That the Holy Spirit will work in the lives of those we are praying for. And that through the working of the Holy Spirit, 
they will be convinced that Jesus is both their Lord and Saviour and they will come to love him also. Well, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us? In verse 26, he says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Not later on in chapter 16, Jesus will talk about how the Holy Spirit will convince the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does is that he reminds us of what Jesus has taught us and so enables us to obey. The Holy Spirit speaks to us when we need to know what to do and reminds us of God's words to us. Again, this is a result of a new relationship we just talked about. This is a whole new way of relating to God. You see, in the Old Testament context, Jesus had used angels, oh, sorry, God had used angels, Jesus too, God had used angels as intermediaries. He'd used prophets and priests to warn people to instruct them how to live. But all that changed now with the coming of the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 31, this is the covenant I will make with those with the house of Israel in those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquities and remember their sins no more. How is this prophecy fulfilled? By Jesus asking the Father to send the Holy Spirit to dwell in us to remind us of what Jesus has taught, to bring God's word back to our mind. We no longer need to wait for a priest to remind us of the law. We no longer have to wait for a prophet to come along and tell us what God wants us to know. God can speak to us directly through his Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Finally, the coming of the Holy Spirit will bring us peace. Not the sort of peace that the world gives. Not a peace that is transitory or held in place by fear. In Jesus' time, the world was at peace. The so-called Roman rule was widely praised, but it was a peace that was won and maintained at the point of a sword. In our day, peace is maintained in a shaky sort of way, largely by force of arms of the US and NATO. Peace seems to be maintained by sending a few missiles in to shake things up. But it isn't very satisfactory peace, is it? I mean, we just have to look at the latest terrorist bombings to show it is only a limited peace at best. 
and it certainly doesn't provide us with peace of mind. One of the world's great desires today, I think, is a search for inner peace, an inner tranquility of spirit, not removed from the responsibilities and relationships of the world, but built up and experienced in the midst of it. That's the sort of peace that Jesus promises here. It's a peace born out of living personal relationship with Jesus himself, deepened through the growing and surrendering of our lives to the rule of his Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And it's a peace based on our faith in the, in the promise of Jesus. That's why Jesus points out to them once again in verse 29. Now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. The faith we have in Jesus' promises, the peace we have because we believe those promises, is based on solid evidence. Evidence like this, where Jesus warns them beforehand that what will happen. So that when it does happen, they will be convinced who he is. So the Holy Spirit is given to all who love Jesus Christ to empower us for his work, to teach us all things, to give us a real and lasting peace in the knowledge that Jesus has overcome the world. How do you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? by being one who loves Jesus Christ. How do you know if you're someone like that? By the way you desire to obey his commands. We should be praying that God's Holy Spirit will be so present in our lives in a real way that we would recognise his presence and be drawn and be drawn great comfort and peace from it as we enjoy being part of God's family. It is through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we can be assured we are part of God's family. Let me pray. Gracious God, we, we, we ask that you fill us you top us up, you overflow us with your Holy Spirit, that we know that you are ever present in our life through your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit works in our life. Lord, fill us now, fill us with your Holy Spirit, fill us so that when we, we leave this place, we know that you are with us, that your voice reminds us of what we should do each day of the week, that your voice reminds us how we should act. Lord, Fill us with your spirit.